0: morning church my name is Abby and we are glad to have you guys this morning um, if you are new or visiting with us we'd love to connect with you at guest services it's in the back over by our one cup cafe uh, and we have a gift for you guys just for being here or you can connect digitally by texting the word here to 219 uh, 233 just one quick announcement for you guys this morning um, we've got Easter coming up here pretty soon and for Holy Week we are gonna have a um, Good Friday service this year at 5 p.m. on that Friday before Easter. Um, So mark that on your calendars if you're able to make it. And then of course, we'll have our Easter Sunday morning service at our normal time. Um, And then lastly, I just want to thank you guys who um, call Rethink Church your home and you choose to give to the vision and mission of Rethink Church. What you do to give um, not only helps us to put on Sunday services for the community, but it also helps us to be able to serve throughout the week and um, love on our partners such as MIS and things like that. So um, we're really glad to have you guys partner in what God's doing in the Maryville community. Um, It's good to see you guys this morning, and we hope you enjoy Mark's room.
1: morning like abby said we're going to do a good friday service which we've never done before we did we did a virtual one and that was about it so we'll see how this goes worst case this sucks right Like like, (laughs) (laughs) jesus dies right like that's it's like that's the harsh part of like the hard part of like the church world is like you have christmas you have easter nothing really changes like how do you come up with something new and fresh way to say does that make sense so like There we are. So, today what we're doing is we're going to wrap up our spiritual disciplines, the practices, whatever you want to call it, Uh, we're going to do that, and then we're going to get ready for Easter by going into the book of Ruth, because why not, right? So, uh, we're going to get into that, but today what we're going to do is we're going to get into this concept of what the practice called intercessory prayer, Uh, and so we're going to work through this and say, this is one of those practices that you should just kind of step into, Uh, and some of us, we, we... let me just put it this way. Some of us pray as if we're eating Brussels sprouts. It's like the spiritual discipline of eating spinach, your vegetables, make sure you get your clean plate and all that, and you're like, this is really what prayer like kind of looks like, right? And so what I want to do is say, at times it is yes, but maybe we have a different approach about it, all right? So, let's start off by talking about a lady from Africa. Her name was Monica. She had a son, and she grew up in this tradition where it was in the 3rd or 4th century where her family lineage, her heritage, became followers of Jesus. And if you know Roman history, up to that point, you, like, literally had to make a decision. Like, if you were going to, if you're going to follow Jesus, it costs you everything. And then this guy he constantly comes around, and it was, like, literally overnight, became this popular thing to do. And if you wanted to, like, do any kind of business, then you had to become a follower of Jesus. And so her son grew up in that era where it was, like, in that transition period of, like, popular things to do. Her son had wanted nothing to do with scriptures, wanted nothing to do with with Jesus. And he was a womanizer, he was a drunkard, and he kind of, like, did that whole, whatever you want to call that, like, scene in in northern Africa for 20-plus years. Monica would pray that her son would experience the salvation of Jesus for 20 years. And he went on this trip thinking, hey, like, I, I, he pretty much exhausted the scene of North Africa and, like, womanizing, drunkardness, and all that. So he's like, hey, let's just go to Rome. And imagine Rome being, like, Vegas, D.C., and New York City all wrapped in the water. And they're like, hey. And he's like, this would be an awesome new scene new clothes new everything right and so this is like the epicenter of all culture in that day so he goes on this journey he goes there and he's he he kind of journeys through the city and as he's doing that he gets into this garden in in rome and he sits down and for the first time he hears the voice of god or more it's more probably accurate he probably experiences the voice of god and he used to scrutinize his mom and like the scriptures and say there's no way this is true and in that moment when he when he heard the voice of God he went to the scriptures he found a place that had the scriptures and he just started studying and reading the scriptures he was wealthy having access to it and so he starts looking into the scriptures and because of that he found salvation in the scriptures we know of St. Augustine one of the foundational father figures of the church but imagine his mom praying for 20 plus years Probably gets old after a while, right? Imagine that first five years—like, seriously, God, are you gonna do anything? Don't you love my son just as much as, like, as, as much as I do? The fifteenth year, the sixteenth year—all those kind of things. And some of us we live into that, and we're—we have this concept, we have this thing, we have this idea that we need to pray for for twenty plus years, right? Walter Wink has this beautiful uh, uh, quote. He says this: that the history belongs to the, the to the prayers, the intercessors. Those who are willing to pray the future into existence. Doesn't that sound great? Don't you want to be part of those people? Like, yeah, we prayed that into existence. We saw it come into, like, into culmination and all that. And it sounds awesome, but then you get into the reality of prayer. Five years go by. Six years go by. Seven years go by. you're like, seriously? Are we going to do anything here, God? Don't. Like, I thought you wanted this. You, like isn't that how we pray? Like we've talked about this like in our spiritual disciplines. Like a, sometimes you sit and you listen to God, and then you know what to pray for, right? And that's sometimes what what intercessory prayer is. That you're hearing from the Holy Spirit, and then you're starting to pray, and you're just praying back what you thought God wanted you to pray. And so this beautiful concept of like you're going to pray the future into existence. That's who history belongs to, and all that. And so uh, that is our responsibility as followers of Jesus. We get to do that. Right? Like Monica had no concept that her son becoming a follower of Jesus was gonna make him be like the like a, a spiritual discipline, like a father, the most probably the best theologian that the first thousand years of Christianity had. She just wanted her son to have salvation. Right? And then there's that future potential, like, oh yeah, like there's he's got this career out of this, right? And so some of us we need to understand that, like we just need to stick to the thing and just keep praying for it. And the potential can happen later. Some of us, we want to pray, like, this future potential into things, and God's like, no, no, just keep praying for the simple thing, the first thing, right? And he'll take care of the rest. And that's part of this process. We're literally just planting seeds, planting seeds, watering seeds and watering, watering seeds, like, going back to the parable that Jesus would talk about. But, in, but we've talked about this before, we have a culture that wants to create a utopian culture without God. And we just think that we have the best, best political career, the best political party, the best Political agenda, the economic system, the like—none of that matters. In all honesty, it's not their responsibility to try to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. It's actually ours as followers of Jesus, and it's a responsibility, it's a burden. We're we going to call it, but well, that's what we get to do. When when Jesus taught us how to pray, He taught us to pray that the His will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. When was the last time we prayed for that? Hopefully yesterday, or this morning, right? So, but like, have we actually been praying that through or not? We're going to take this, we'll say this a couple times today. If everything, if God just gave you a triumphal yes over all of your prayers for the last week, whose life would change? Whose bank account would have changed? Whose community? Whose neighborhood? Would it have only impacted your life? Or would it have impacted the enemies that you have? Would it make the better community the better neighborhood that you live in would would god would would the kingdom of heaven literally kind of burst into the community you live in so the people down the streets that annoy you that play that kind of music all the time would their life change right like this is what we get to do as followers of jesus we live into this we get to step into that and bringing the kingdom of heaven it's the ecclesia's responsibility and we have to admit this that prayer is actually very challenging that there's this reality, yes, that um, that that is a this mysterious wonder. It's a compelling wonder that we get to pray the future into existence, right? But it's also this mysterious, frustrating piece of it that God, do you care this much? you care more than I do? Why can't you just make this happen? Why did it take twenty years for Monica to pray salvation, like her son into salvation, right? Some of us have been praying and praying and praying for something to change but it just hasn't right it's this inspiring and it's also frustrating at the same time right because every for every for every saint augustine there's hundreds if not thousands of people who don't get to experience salvation parents are just like seriously god are you not saying this like can you just change this right for every like for every one miraculous healing in, in a medical surgery room. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of people who've died or not get cured from whatever that disease is, right? That's part of this process that we need to understand. And so like we have to kind of approach it. And I've always thought that, that prayer is like a cheat code, like up, down, left, right, left, right, VA, B, VA, B, select, start. Anyone? code? There you go. Set of three, yeah, three. contra. Kenobi code, first cheat code, right? Some of us we approach, we approach prayers thinking that, but the reality of it is. I don't think that's how God works. For some reason, some prayers get answered instantaneously. Some prayers get answered in a couple decades. There have been prayers for communities that are still going on for 1,500 years, right? That's dedication, I'm sorry. 1,500 years would be like, 15 minutes, what, you know? And so some people are literally going on to this and just doing this. And it has, like, we have to answer the question, like, why is it, God? Do you not care as much as I do? Do my prayers actually matter? Is anything in this world changing because I pray? Is there anything that's existing because I prayed? It? Is there anything not existing? Like, is there evil gone because I prayed it away? We have to start, like, unless you just don't care. Like, I, for me, I just got really frustrated as an early as a baby Christian, that would pray certain things and just nothing would change. And so I started wrestling through this and say God, what is actually going on here? There's a Kurt Vanigo quote, he said, here's what he says. I don't think it's at all likely that God requires the ill informed advice of us humans to do, to, to run, run this world. If He is all wise, as you say, doesn't He already know what to do or what is best? And if He's all good, then why wouldn't He just do it anyway? Some of us live in these realities, right? Like, we have Walter Link, this inspiring, like, history belongs to those who pray. And then you have realities of, like, Kurt Vandigo, like, good okay, God. If you knew everything, why don't you just do it? If you're all good, why wouldn't you make the things just happen? And I would say most followers of Jesus live paralyzed in between these two realities. Some of us have just given up on prayer. Because why? Nothing changes. Some of us have prayed, what would I call, churchianity approved prayers. They're nice and sterile, they're safe. And if you had to actually evaluate them, you don't know if God really answered them or not. Make me better. What does better mean? Right? We're not actually boldly going before God saying, here's my problem. and I don't know what the solution is, but you probably, hopefully do. Right? We're not, we just don't do that. We're not boldly going there because we're just paralyzed. And so we, we kind of treat prayer like eating Brussels sprouts. Something we should do. We don't really enjoy it. don't really love to do it Um, and so we just keep going through there so once again if God gave you a triumphal yes for all of your prayers this week whose life would change would it change anything in the community that you live in would your boss's life get better probably not right like would anyone else really get different or change and stuff like that so when Jesus was asked by his disciples how should we pray Here's how we said it. We're going to go into the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew chapter uh, 6. Here's what he says. Maybe. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And like what Roland talked about a couple weeks ago is Jesus will forgive us. As much as we forgive other people that's a little harsh it feels like i should just get more forgiveness than i give other people doesn't jesus know what has been done to me uh, and stuff like that and so part of that process is understanding that reality uh, but we just don't like to live into that and as we go through the lord's prayer we say power we're like yeah we're all one human like family there's not like this race is not better than others we're all just one and god's going to be our father right we love that concept even if you have a, a broken image of what a father is, you can still love into that. Like God's gonna parent me. He wants to have this, this relationship with me, right? And we get into that and we say, how will be your name? Absolutely. Right? No, nope. but I guarantee you're not gonna go up to God and try to dab him up, are you? What up, homie? You're not doing any of that, right? <laughs> like I would like when I teach my students how to actually shake hands, which is part of my my actual lesson, uh, towards the end of my trimester. I'm like, don't try to dab up the future person that you're like gonna work for, right? Just shake your hand, make it professional. None of us are gonna try to do that, We because why? Remember who you're talking to. That is the reality that we have to understand, is that when we talk to somebody, like when we talk to God, we are talking to a holy, hallowed person or being that needs to be understood as like, okay, I'm gonna show some respect, right? Uh, and then the authority, like the or sorry, the name, his name has authority, it's his, it's his reputation, it's his who he is. And so we understand all of those first parts. The, 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 the start, part that Jesus starts to lose us in all reality is when he says, your will be done on this earth. Because we can see that it's not done. Now the question is, how do we get it to be done? And there's thousands and thousands of different opinions about how to do this, isn't there? And there's a massive debate of what's daily bread, right? Some of us believe that we need to have our cell phones, and that's daily bread. What would you do without internet? What would you do without your data package? What would you do without Pokemon Go, right? Like Some of us are just like, we can't live without it. And how would you do Like Some of us are like, no, no, I need to have, for me, five cups of coffee right now, like at this point in my life. Five cups of coffee on this kind of a day with the time change and I lost an hour of sleep, right? Some of you are like, get that that's daily bread is it or do you just need more sleep we can't get into that debate right <laughs> like that's just not worth it so some of us being saying understand with daily bread and all this and so we start losing Jesus starts losing us because we have different of weight difference opinions some of us see an injustice and we don't pray first we just act first and then we're like crap it's made it worse Think like Moses and Pharaoh in Egypt right some of us see injustice and we see something that's wrong we're like, ah, oh, that's really bad. And we have harsh feeling like we have sad feelings for it, but we don't do anything about it. We don't even take time to pray about it. We're just like, that really sucks, right? And that's not compassion. Remember, we talked about compassion. The word compassion in the Greek is like, it's this movement in our bowels. That's like the root word here. Like, that's compassion, it moves you to drive. I'm always gonna sit here, I'm like, I ain't gonna go to the bathroom. We can not get up and go. That's gonna happen, and that, I'll just put it that way, right? Some of us, we just need to learn how to do that. So that's part of this process. And so here's here's what I want us to work through: is that Jesus makes these claims, and let's just be honest, I don't know if we really believe it. Let me just work, walk you through some of them. Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty-two. Roger's is going to put these up on the screen. It says this: He's talking to his disciples, and he's talking about when you when you talk to this mountain, and literally say to a mountain to throw itself into the sea. Here's what he says about this. Uh, he says, "I'll tell you whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe that you haven't received it." And it's yours that we can really believe that right what about this one do it I'll, I'll do whatever you ask for in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son you may ask for you ask me for anything in my name and i will do it john chapter 15 you remain in me and my words will remain in you ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done for you matthew chapter 21 if you believe then you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer so when jesus is talking to his disciples he's saying hey intercede for me what does it mean to intercede to go between you see the problem you see god's kingdom god's will god's heaven reality whatever and you and i get to go between we get to literally bring like become a bridge for other people when we see something see need fill need right we learned in a new robots movie can we learn it now right That's all part of this process. The problem is, we don't actually, I don't know if we believe it. I don't know if we understand our role when it came to this world though. And and so when we just don't do anything, what we're really not doing is it's a a horrible act of unlove, of hatred. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's one of the most selfish things we could possibly do. And yet we live in a culture that says, oh, don't step on my toes, don't offend people, right? But what if we actually understood our role and what Jesus is calling us towards? Maybe it would change the way we do this. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and I always go back to this, this is one of foundational things, because what we see here is what God created. He called it good. He called it toe-toe. Good, good. Very, very good. And Jesus' plan is constantly going back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 as well. So, <clears throat> you can spend all the time you want to try to decipher Revelation all you want, but Let's go back to Genesis. We know how he created the earth, right? And everything he called it was good, up to Genesis chapter three. So, when he calls when he creates Genesis chapter creates in Genesis chapters one and two, he calls it good. What he does is he puts humans in charge, and he says, if "You guys are ruling and you are reigning on this earth. Capture the potential of the earth, right? And then you check leave, and you check in with them." The recent times of the day, he would always check in, and they'd do this. We don't know how long he was there. Long enough to name all the animals. Right? And there's a lot of animals. So who, who knows how long there was, right? And what he told them was, hey, you can eat from any tree you possibly want, except for one. And then the serpent comes along, in Genesis chapter 3, and says, did God really say, you can't eat from any of these trees? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is the most uh, the most potential, the, the biggest potential of why, but when there's an element of truth in it, it can be so deceptive. And this is what Satan does to us. He does it over and over and over again. Did God really say this? Right? Like, like think about it in your own life the deception that you've given into. And so they, have, like Eve and Adam, both given to this deception, and in doing so, they give up their rulership, the reign, the, the position of reigning over this earth. What God was really trying to get them to understand is, hey, where you see the lack of potential, represent me and get the potential there in all creation. Same thing that he wants us to do here. And so from that, Genesis chapter 3, to the time that Jesus shows up, who rules this earth? Satan does. It's not humans. And so what we actually have been doing is we've given up our God-given authority and God-given positions of ruling and reigning and representing him. And I mean, you and I can't do this on our own, right? Like we walk around, our, even our righteousness is like filthy rags to what God wants. And so when we step into this, you can't give away what you don't have. You have to be in a relationship with Jesus. You have to be like this sponge, right? Let's say that God's purpose was to flood the earth of his righteousness. If this sponge is dry, and this is you and I, can I really squeeze anything out and drop it down in a legal puddle? What's well, the only way in this picture right here that I can actually get this to fill it in, right? It has to go into the water. Hopefully I'm gonna do this without spilling water. If not, it doesn't really matter. It's just electrical under this carpet. That's all. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? So constantly just putting it in there. And sometimes in order to really get it saturated, you have to squeeze it, right? So as you're sitting here, these are the spiritual disciplines. This is your sitting in silence and solitude. This is your Sabbath. This is the worship that we do. You're soaking into the presence of God. You're offering, you're, you're confessing your sins to God, saying, man, I'm really sorry I did this. I'm really sorry I looked at that website. I'm really sorry I said those things. I'm really sorry I told somebody they were number one when they, flipped, when they cut me off, right? You're constantly, just constantly going before God, saying, here I am. It's not that you're perfect. God knows all your sins. What he's asking you to do is come before Him, and remove the pride and humble yourself. And as you do this, you soak it up, right? And then when you are soaked up and you're sitting in the presence of God and you're there, part of the intercessory prayer is that you go before God and say, hey, here's a dry spot. And so you take the resources that you've soaked up of God and you go and you leave puddles. If I give you what, I'm sorry, right? <laughs> Don't tell Heather to do this, you'll get mad, it's fine. When <laughs> you constantly are saying, okay, here's a dry spot. I'm gonna leave a puddle. God, you, like, I thought you were going to take care of this. Right? You are representing God and you're ruling and you're reigning when you say, okay. But now, can I keep just squeezing this? Not really. It's got to be back at some point. Intercessory prayer is that you're going to go in there and you're going to represent God. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 16. That one, or sorry, John chapter 12. One of his main responsibilities is coming to this earth Was to get our world back he was removing satan from the ruling and the reigning of this world so that you and i can do it and when he leaves he says now go do this go make disciples baptizing them in the father son and the holy spirit and like teaching them to obey everything that god did right part of that teaching to obey everything was to actually start praying this prayer and to start saying, okay, God, I see where you're at. But the problem is we see so like the daily bread part, we're so confused by sometimes. You have 50% of the population obese, and you have 50% of the population dying of starvation. You have parts of our world ends up being stripped by the natural resources. And you have parts of our world like our country that overconsume the, the natural resources, right? Why? Because we like the new latest cell phones. Even though we know it strips, Like, the parts of our world have to be strictly, mostly collected by the backs of slave labor. Right? Like, that's part of our process. We just understand it. And God is constantly trying to mobilize the church. Hey, go do this. Hey, go do this. But we are constantly dragging our feet. And God can't keep moving us because some of us just won't forgive other people who have sinned against us. And so, once again, if that's the case, then God won't forgive you. And only God will forgive you as much as you forgive others. And so we're, we're stopping the process. We're like, I, can't, I just can't do this, God. And then we wonder, hey, why is this going on around us? Why do we see, what we see, why doesn't it represent God's kingdom? Because we're not actually living into it. Some of us, we're sitting outside of the jar. And we're like, hey, I'm close to the jar. Shouldn't the water somehow transfer over? And it just doesn't work that way. You have to get into the jar. And not getting into the jar on your own account, getting into the jar based on what Jesus would say. You you and I don't get to make the rules up of how he is our Lordship. That's not how Lordship works. I know here in America it's kind of hard to actually understand that. But he is our Lord, he's our savior, he's our model as well. He doesn't just say go do this and he never modeled it for us. He's modeled it for us greatly. And what do we see Jesus doing constantly? We see him pulling away. We see him having silence and solitude and Sabbath and scripture and worship and all that. But then we also see him praying to the Father when he doesn't. When he sees something that doesn't reckon, like, represent the kingdom of heaven, he goes before that person and then he heals them. Right. That's part of this process. Is that we actually get to step into this part of what we understanding about the intercessory prayer, is it's not just praying because it's like Brussels sprouts, eating Brussels sprouts what we're actually doing is we're rating heaven for his resources to be brought down to this earth would you give up your lunch time to do that would you wake up five minutes early to do that would you stop eating for a day so you could raid have his resources to bring it down here to this earth for that it's so tempting just to pray the say prayers it's so tempting just to be like it's been a long time I don't know if I can do this. Part of the construction, uh, Patrick was we were working on back there, and he left a picture up and this uh, sheet of paper up. And I think it was yesterday, or Friday. I came in here, started cleaning up, and this picture hit me. Luckily, he was gone, so I didn't like sit there and cry like a little baby in front of him because that would have been awkward, right, Patrick? But <laughs> yeah. but it, it hit me. And, and like I started doing this and started reading through John, and it was like this wave of just even just praying and say prayers. This was a the, the initial dream that I think God gave us. was that we past small little communities all throughout the world or throughout yeah. town the that there's 220,000 plus people who have no relationship with Jesus and I'll be honest the prayers that have been praying for rethink church for the community and for rethink church have <coughs> been safe lately have been hey that person is feeling to her can you do that not Can not change their heart. And, and, the, and the, the, the belief of this, like, well, it's just miracle for you. That's just, that's just the people. That's our culture. We, like, no. Now, like, that moment of, like, now we get to go before God and say, God, will you bring your kingdom to this earth, to this community? That the best days of miracle are still ahead of us. That the best days of your family and your lineage and your personal lives are still ahead of you. Not because of what you can do. You have a role in it. Don't get me wrong. But because of what God wants to do in your life. So I'm going to encourage you. Take some time and boldly pray. And not just the nice little safe prayers, but boldly go before God and raid the resources of heaven to bring them down here to this earth. And just start leaving puddles. Just walk around and say, Okay, God, there's your dry spot. You missed the spot, God. Here we go. Your redemption, your, your process somehow got me soaked. Now can we just get the rest of the community? Can you get my neighborhood? So whatever is in here can actually get out there. <clears throat> John chapter uh, 12, or sorry, John chapter 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's told them, that you know, you've actually never prayed in my name. You've only just prayed through these ritual prayers. And what Jesus says to learn how to pray in his name, it's not this like catchy little phrase of like, oh, that'd be cool in Jesus' name, right? What he's telling us to do and encouraging us to do is actually pray in his authority. Could you do that? Could you pray in his authority? Which means that you and I have to learn how to take off our robes of unrighteousness and live into the robes of Christ's righteousness. And when we do that, then we can go before the throne room of God. And so we confess our sins. We do all this process. And what God wants to do in us, he'll do through us, right? Part of that daily prayer thing, and that daily bread thing, is that you are blessed to become a blessing. It's not just you soaking up and going, like, oh, man, this is awesome. Right? Part of this process is we need to actually do this. We need to step into it uh, and live into that reality. So once again... If God gave a triumphal yes for all of your prayers, whose life would change? What neighborhood would change? What community would change? And what if in accessory prayer was really just us raiding the resource room of heaven and bringing it down into this earth? Could you and I do that? And what would happen if a group of people got together and just started praying together? Instead of just saying, "Well, that's just where we live. That's just our culture. That's just..." Like, no, we could change the reality around us based on what God wants to do—not just in us, but also through us. So, what would happen if God's un- like unleashed everything in you and through you? Why not spend one week? Well, let's find out. Why not spend twenty years? Is it worth it? Probably some of the realities in your life, you're like, man, I want that to change. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a few moments, and I just want you to silently pray before God. You know the gaps where where there's a reality between what what you see the dry spots in in your life, in your community, in your workplaces, in your schools, and how you want God to bring his kingdom down here. And then Roland's going to lead us in a song. Goes out of service. Come before God and bring all the things we could possibly bring. I just want to leave you with this right here. So, my mom's here today. She spent at least 17 years praying for me to experience Jesus and not to die. And there are some times that that's literally all it took. Like, she's small, I wasn't. And she would just be like, I don't know what to tell you, but you need to stop. And so, she would ask people in her church, Hey, can you pray for Mark? I was was 16 years old, and I was going to do something extremely stupid, and something stopped me. Mm. And no clue, I can't explain it today, other than I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. And she asked, I think it was the people in her church. I don't know what's going on, can you just pray for Mark? And that kept me from a probably a life-altering decision, where I would not be here today. Does that make sense? and so, and it wasn't like hey, I became a Christian and I was perfect overnight like there was still some maturing processes along the way, does that make sense? so I just want to leave you with that, you have no clue what your prayers are actually going to unleash but God wants to unleash his plan into your life and for the life of your family to come, don't give up on it so, with that being said if you need prayer for anything, I'd love to pray with you in this moment. I'll be back there But as we do this, just walk out of here and know that God has a plan for your life. So let's go. And be the church. Have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday.